0: The following programming is sponsored by Six Feet Over Under Productions. The Views Express do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or Beasley Media Group. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, powered by ELEC Eight Twenty Five. We are thrilled to join you on WWDB 860 AM and 97.5 HD2, part of the Beasley Media Group, ready to help you move into the weekend talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, I look out the windows here at the studio. The rain has parted. The sun is out. What was the text message from your son this afternoon for this special day? Happy Harden Day. Are you excited to see the addition of James Harden in a Sixers uniform this evening in Minnesota? Well, now that it's done, yeah. <laughs> now, all right? Now, now, now that he's here, yeah, right, I'm ready like for now, now that it's been a week and we've all had a chance
1: to, to get through, is this a good trade or it's not a good trade? It doesn't matter anymore, right? No, he's here. Now, now all that matters is he's here, and now let's see if it works. I— I am I ex- love the starting lineup it all fits now and and, and anybody who's going to whine about to, uh, Tobias Harris this is going to make him a better player it should he, he now gets to be in his comfort zone with the right kind of offense and defense that he
0: needs to excel the thing I wonder is does Maxi start to defer more as the now fourth option yeah isn't that okay though? It is. He's, st- he's still only 20 years old. It is. I just think it creates more opportunities for other players on the court. Now, I've told you, I happen to think that this team is going to get other teams in foul trouble and live at the line between Harden and Embiid. They're both very good foul shooters. He's going to be long basketball games. But I think that they're going to get a lot of free buckets out of that in terms of the type of offense they're going to run. Now, Doc said this week that... The end of the all bench lineup seems like it could be near, Jeff. So we won't go from up 10 to down five while the starters sit on the bench. It seems like he's going to have some division of Harden, Embiid, Maxi, and Harris two Mm -hmm. and two on the floor at all times. Finally. Best laid plans. (laughs) That's all you got to say. Finally. Right? (laughs) You know, what are you. uh, So Wednesday night is when they come back home. It'll be a crazy scene. The 10th is when people hope Ben Simmons shows up. Uh, you don't think that will happen. I don't think he's going to play. Do you? I know your theory. Yeah, your theory is. I don't think he wants to play here right. ever. Yes. But if you're somebody who has had mental health challenges and this city has been a catalyst to that. mm mm-hmm you need to get exposure to it at some point. Are you not going to play here during the playoffs when the Sixers play the Nets in the series? Are you just not going to play in those games? And if it's the Sixers' home court, are you going to not to play in any of those four games because it's in Philadelphia? No. So at some point, you're going to have to play. And I know that it's going to be a bad atmosphere for him. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that it will be a better atmosphere in the playoffs, but he has to be exposed to it. He has to learn how to live with the situation that now exists. Whether he likes it or not, that's just what it is. And so if I were them, I would push him to appear in the March tenth game just to get exposure to the hate that is coming his way. No. So it's not a surprise in the playoffs. So let's
1: be clear, nobody's pushing Ben to do anything.
0: Of course not. They won't even they, push they, him to shoot they there. They
1: are coddling him now. They have he's got his his uh, big brother in in Patty Mills, who's who's going to watch that. Seth Curry's Kyle, already Kyle saying,
0: working with him on his shot now. He's one of, like, the assistants there. Yeah,
1: meanwhile, Herb McGee's making jokes about him. and, and Yeah, Herb yeah. McGee,
0: Danny Green. Some people didn't hold back this week on their opinions. I didn't if... even know
1: Herb McGee was still
0: alive. Herb McGee's finishing up his his season this year. And, uh-huh. yeah, Mike Sielski from the Enquirer went in there not looking to talk to him about Ben Simmons.
1: Yeah.
0: And, and Herb McGee kind of let it out that Ben just wasn't interested in getting better with his shot.
1: Yeah, but wasn't he just playing to the room? I, I, mean, I mean, come on. I just think it, he's... It, it, was, it was just easy. I just think... An easy target. I, think Herb's, I don't think he should have.
0: I think Herb's passed the filter at this point. <laughs> you think? <laughs> so he just was saying what he, he wanted to. He was looking
1: for a laugh, and he got some national attention. Look, out.
0: the Nets got blown out last night. We'll see if it fits for them. We'll see how it fits for the Sixers. You mean the, the
1: baby Nets got... Like, like, nobody played for the Nets who actually is part of the Nets, right?
0: Hasn't been that been the problem, though? Yeah. Like, that was the problem with... Kyrie, they're going to have to play in
1: the play-in round. That's prob- what's going to happen. They're they're of, they're falling that the way Nets at that point. The Nets and the point. Lakers are going to have to be in the play-in.
0: Man, the Lakers are their own disaster. It sounds like Palinka and LeBron don't like each other now and then yeah, well, LeBron goes back to Cleveland for the All-Star game and says, "Maybe I'll come back here and play with Cleveland." And by the how way, how
1: does he think he's going to get back there? They finally they have a really good team
0: without him. Just wait. You yeah. know what's coming, right?
1: What he's going to push for getting Bronny?
0: He's going to push to be traded to wherever Bronny gets drafted, right? Because he wants to play. So he's with already him. said so. That. That's going to be what comes. Well, next. I don't.
1: I don't know when his contract is up. So he might. I mean, Bronny is not does eligible that, till like twenty twenty
0: four. After so. we just finished the Ben Simmons situation, does that matter anymore when your contract is up? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> not in this league. All right, let's leave the basketball talk there. Obviously, big game tonight. We'll, we'll still have. Plenty of time to talk, twenty four more games left this season, and we'll get to more basketball. Yeah, but on the what's show. tomorrow? It's the home opener for the Philadelphia Union. And I'm I'm pretty excited. yeah? Yeah, I am. Mm. And and it's fun for us because the last couple seasons we've we've started it with the coach himself, right? They're so deep. They are. They are. Why don't we why don't we bring on the coach and let's go and talk to him about it now? Let's do it. All right. The Union kickoff Saturday afternoon at Subaru Park. It's great to get a few minutes before the season starts with the coach himself, Jim Curtin. Coach, welcome back to the show.
2: Hi, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Great to be on. Uh, We
0: always love when we get to talk to you, especially just before the season. Always fun to hear. How was your off season? Did you get a little time with the kids and family? Maybe watch some Philly sports?
2: yeah it was nice look anytime you can can kind of shut down after a long season uh especially a successful one it's nice um got to see a lot of family obviously over the holidays with thanksgiving and and christmas um but yeah got got to get away from the game but uh you know the the off seasons get shorter and shorter and then you know to be honest there's no real off season your your phone's always on and you're always kind of connected and thinking of ways to try to improve the team so um, yes, yeah, good to spend some family time for sure, but uh, the batteries are recharged and ready to go for 2022.
1: Coach, you talked about a successful season last year. It was an incredibly yeah. successful season, but you had one of, in my mind, one of the most challenging coaching jobs anybody has ever had in the history of American team sports with what happened at the end of your season. What was it like for you at the time going through that, and how did you how did you deal with that? And as you look back on it now, what did you learn as a coach from that experience?
2: Yeah, look, that one's certainly not in the uh, the coaching courses or the coaching manuals. And there's no no YouTube I can go to for advice for the, the unique situation we found ourselves in in the Eastern Conference Finals. You know, we had a tremendous playoff run, and, and we're really clicking on all cylinders and. and had a nice home game set up against New York City. And uh, as everybody knows by now, had uh, 11 cases of COVID hit our group um, to a lot of our, our key players. So, um, as the week of preparation into that um, happened, you know, you were preparing and then you'd think you'd have a new plan in place and the, the plan would have to change because you'd lose an additional player. So, we, we, were, we didn't lose them all at one time either. That was the most challenging thing. So, you know, we actually had to shut down training one day just to try to stop the spread of things took a day off from training which is never never the case uh in professional sports and and, and kind of had a new plan and, and and approached it in a way that um thought we could compete and and had another three or four more cases so that plan went out the window too so um look there's a great thing mike tyson had in his uh boxing days everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face and uh, i'll just say we were punched in that face that week uh, a lot of times but Um, I really have to give our players and our staff, coaching staff, uh, a ton of credit for, you know, still putting out a a product on the field that was, you know, representative of of a great Philadelphia union team representative of our city. Um, And even in a loss, which doesn't happen often in pro sports, I was still really proud uh, of the group. And I think the fans showed just how proud they were Um, such an underdog story um, to really push the the eventual MLS cup champions. As far as we did um, was a, pretty impressive feat in itself, but overall a unique week. Like you said, um, one that I learned a ton from, uh, I have I've learned to always be able to adapt and adjust your game, um, and be and have flexibility and, 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 and also kind of step back and realize it is just sports too. And there's, there's more important things in, in life. That's for sure.
0: And look, we were in the stadium that day. The, uh, first of all, the, the atmosphere was electric and yet pensive at the yeah. same time, given, you know, what we had with the players on, on the pitch. But the respect that the fans seemed to show you afterwards, uh, you all certainly earned it. So it was it was good to see as we come. Yeah. Into... Sorry, go ahead, coach.
2: Sorry. No, incredible. I agree. Just going back to that, the atmosphere in all of our playoff games in particular, that last one to get cheered off the field um, by our home fans in a, in a heartbreaking loss is something that I'll, I'll never forget. And, and again, I'd like to thank the fans for, for that atmosphere and you guys, if you were, you, were, you guys were there too. So <laughs> <We> <laughs> thank were. you for that.
0: It, it was really, you know, it, it's one of those challenging things. There's the disappointment of the loss. And then you're seeing this team that half the guys have never been able to get on the field and some of them are out of their position and they're out there fighting until the end. And it was just, it was an exciting game. So as we come into this year, you said your phone never went off this off season. Lots of new faces in, some some faces we know out. Tell us about some of the new faces that people can expect to see on the pitch this year. And I know uh, there's question about when some of them might actually be here to start.
2: Yeah, obviously the the, the big one uh, that everyone you know has talked about is is uh, Mikael Ure from um, from Bromby. Uh, incredible goal scorer, uh, incredible leader on the field. And, and look, we did our homework on him and, and we invested a lot of money from ownership, which are all great things. Uh, but perhaps sometimes the best, you know, confirmation that you made a good decision comes from your, your former players. And, and we got good confirmation from Brendan Aronson who played against, uh, Brown in the Europa league. And, and Brendan Aronson's first words, when he spoke about Michael Ure, were. That guy's an absolute beast the city going to the city's gonna love him <laughs> you know he's gonna fit the playing style so that that actually made me uh, really happy when when you heard that confirmation from a player in Brendan Aronson he's obviously doing great things on his own right now but for him to confirm that blu-ray's gonna fit the, the group really well um, that was good you know not that I don't trust our scouts you know what I mean? <laughs> but it was good to hear it from a, a player that's about as familiar with our, our playing style as anybody so um, yeah, he's a great player. He'll come in and really help the group. Uh, obviously has big game experience, um, has scored goals in the, in, the top, in the top European league and has been the, the leader uh, of a club before. So uh, we can't wait to get him here. Bill isn't here yet, uh, but we're working as quickly as we can. And, and everything we've done on our side is, is completed. We're just waiting on the, uh, uh, the government to, to sort it out, uh, things we kind of can't control. Um, Carranza, Julian Carranza is another one under the radar. Um, in this league that you know obviously was a, a Miami player previously uh, maybe didn't get the opportunities in Miami um, but the more I've been around Julian and, and worked with him and his his movement around the goal um, his, his ruthlessness in front of goal to score um, the way he worked hard defensively um, and then adjusted to a new team uh, very quickly and it's awesome in our locker room I, I think he is another one that's going to really Um, grow on our fans. They're going to fall in love with him quickly. Uh, So again, two special additions to the team. Obviously our younger players are a year older. They've improved drastically. Uh, Our veterans are still looking strong as ever in Alejandro Bedoya and Jacob Klesnes and Andre Blake. So um, I really like where the group is at. We're we're stable. We're strong defensively. And uh, uh, I'll just say teams don't like to play against us, which is the ultimate compliment.
1: You know, you, you mentioned Brendan Aronson. It's it's nice to hear that you're still in touch with those guys. What is it like for you? I mean, you saw them literally grow up uh, and helped in their development. How proud are you when you see people like Brendan succeeding in the way he, that he is?
2: Yeah, look, I've been around Brendan since he was nine years old and then was to his, his dad's waist and he would come to Union Junior Sessions uh, way, way back in the day. Um, to see him now thriving on the European stage and and dominating games against the likes of Bayern Munich and and, and being amazing for our U S national team. uh, You you just can't help, but be proud of him. And and, and, and it is a true Testament that, you know, if you do work hard enough at this game, there's no real shortcuts or secrets or, or formula uh, other than, than hard work and putting the time in and and being willing to learn um, from others and and kind of having self-awareness and trying to improve your game each and every day. So, He's a real uh, poster boy for not just the Philadelphia Union, but for any kid in U.S. soccer that doesn't matter how big or strong or fast you are, but if you're willing to put the time in uh, on the practice field, um, you can get better and go to the highest level in this game. And he's, he's been awesome to uh, play a small role in his growth and development. He makes us proud every time he steps on the field.
0: You know, we talk about Brendan and just the success of the Union Academy given some of the change in the roster, it, it seems like there will be more opportunities for guys like Paxton Aronson and Quinn Sullivan and Jack McGlynn. Can you talk about who our listeners should be looking out for this year that you as a coach hope will take that next step from the young guys?
2: Yeah, well, you just nailed three of them. Um, Paxton, obviously, uh, the genetics are there. <laughs> he's uh, He's got the DNA of, of, his, of his brother. Uh, he's been, been exceptional in this preseason. Jack McGlynn, same thing. He has a left foot that, you know, he does things at, at age 18 that I didn't learn until I was, you know, 30 years old. So he's he's so far ahead of uh, ahead of things. Uh, he's going to be a real special player. Quinn Sullivan as well, uh, as you mentioned, uh, our most fit player on our team. So he's got this relentless work ethic. Um, those three guys, for what it's worth, are I just got off the phone with uh, our, our U-20 national team coach and they're the three of the players they want to build the, the national team around. So uh, it, it's not just me that sees it. It's not just our fans that see it, but um, on the, on the national team stage, they see it as well. Just how important they are. And then Brandon Craig uh, is another one, a center back that, you know, he, let's be honest, he just has two really good center, three really good center backs in front of him right now. Um, but for a 17 year old kid, uh, he's improved drastically this off season and had a great preseason for us as well. Uh, Nathan Harriel. Um, gets that, gets plays at that right back position and does better and better each season and each each training session. So, uh, a lot of good young top talent uh, within the club. We're really happy with um, the environment we create for them to get better each day, uh, and it, it's been fun to watch them all grow and develop.
0: You know, we talked earlier about the challenges you had last season with these young guys. Typically, the the U20 World Cup and Olympic qualifying doesn't always fall. During that FIFA window, how do you, as a coach, manage letting three or four of your core young players go, and and having them here for the team versus the experience they get on the national stage in that qualifying?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, and it's a complicated uh, question, and it's, it'll get a kind of a complicated answer. You know, at, at the end of the day. You know, our sport is unique because it is global Um, and and the ultimate goal of all these guys in the locker room is to represent the national team. And it's to represent the national team in the World Cup, you know, because that is our that is our Super Bowl. That is our World Series, whatever you want to want to call it. Um, But it happens on a world stage, not on a league stage, which is different than than maybe um, what the the common basic American fan is used to. So um, for these guys. we understand that we have to, even though they're some of our best players, we have to let them go with the national team because ultimately uh, their, their goals and their ambition is to, to represent their country at the highest possible level and, and dream of, of someday uh, reaching the World Cup. So if we if we prevented that, for for example, um, you know we'd be doing a disservice to them and, and to the game, to be quite honest. So uh, as the game continues to grow in this country, I think more and more people will get the understanding of uh, just how important it is to represent your country. I think we all have um, pride in our country and and it comes out usually during the Olympics or whatever it might be. But um, for those maybe that don't fully understand how soccer works, um, the ultimate goal is that that World Cup and them representing their nation where there's just so much passion in in the game uh, and and, and something that I think our country is is growing in and and recognizing now as well. So to have those young guys uh, in our locker room represent the United States, Uh, is the ultimate goal and and we never want to get in the way of that
1: one of the other challenges of of being in a global sport is also the integration of the players you know last year you had daniel gazdag come in in the middle of the season and now you have the guys that you have coming in this year how important is it to have leadership like you have in that locker room to help integrate
2: everyone yeah. So you can talk about formations and tactics and, and video analysis or substitution patterns. You can talk all about that. And it, it's important part of the game, no question, but if you don't have relationships with these players um, you have no chance. So I think you have to cultivate an environment where you get to know them on an individual, on a human level. Uh, first and foremost, that's, that's from what I've learned in, in, over my time, and I'm not here to say I'm, a, I'm right, but I, the relationships you create are, are more powerful than anything I can do on the field with X's and O's. It, it truly has is, is been proven, um, at least in my experience, um, to be the way it is. Uh, uh, we have more than 15 different countries represented in our locker room. Um, we have guys that don't speak English, so we have to find ways to, you know, teach them English, le- get them English lessons, or, or get to know them uh, uh, in different ways. So, you're always trying to, to find different ways to connect with your players because if you connect with them, they'll give you the most effort on the field. If they feel like they're part of a group that uh, embraces them, embraces their differences, uh, embraces their culture, um, you have a much more likelihood of success. So I'm not downplaying the role of the head coach. Don't get me wrong, but um, I, I think just being open, letting them be able to to text you at any time if they're going through something with their family. Uh, all those things go into uh, the importance of, of building a, a really special uh, high-performance environment. And we like to think we have a good one here in Philadelphia. We can always work on it and improve, uh, but it still comes down to the relationships you have with people. I think that's, first and foremost, the most important thing.
1: Will there be, will there be foot ping pong for uh, the players to play this year? <laughs>
2: So oh, they play nonstop. So my only <laughs> concern with that is that they break a bone or something like that, but they play nonstop. They get almost more competitive in that than they do in training sessions someday. So they, uh, they get after it. I'll just say that. They play with their feet. They play with their head. They, they, we even do have a, a, also a ping pong table. We had to take that away because they uh, ping pong paddle got thrown through a 42 inch TV that uh, when a game got a little too competitive. So yes, yeah, we have uh, these are really competitive guys. They want to win everything, whether it's foot palm or, or, or table tennis or flipping a coin. They want to win everything every day.
0: <laughs> All right. I've got two to finish, and then we'll let you go. Uh, we talked about the new faces, some of the young guys. Year after year, Andre Blake is the wall back there as one of the top goalkeepers, if not the top in the league. Talk about Andre's leadership on and off the pitch and just how important he is to the team dynamic.
2: Yeah, look, if you rewind to when Andre first came to the team, he was this quiet, quiet shy, kind of humble uh, kid that I think knew he was a good goalkeeper but didn't want to step on any toes. Um, to see him evolve into, obviously, the best goalkeeper on the field um, has been, been special to see. Uh, I think he's always had that talent and ability in him. But to see him evolve as, as a vocal leader in the locker room is something that I'm, I'm really proud of him for um he's the guy that talks to the players um you know right after i do when they leave the locker room uh he gets the guys uh gives them a a kick in the butt when they need it he puts his arm around the the younger guys when they need that as well so he's he's found a a great um spot here in philadelphia Um, the city's really embraced him Uh, we're fortunate to have him Uh, sometimes we forget about his greatness and how easy he makes the game look but overall uh, love Andre on the field, but really proud of how he's grown off the field too as a leader uh, in that locker room. Coach,
1: how excited are you for this weekend?
2: Yeah, I think every season brings a different feeling of excitement. Uh, I think this one is a little unique in that we're no longer a team that's sneaking up on anybody. You know, you, you look at all the pundits and the, the media everywhere and uh, a lot of teams throughout the country or a lot of pundits and, and media have, have us picked as a towards the top of the league, you know, as one of the best teams in the league. So um, it keeps us on guard and it keeps us motivated, but certainly when the, uh, the season starts, you walk out into Subaru park and, and it's a, a full house and, you know, we're the, the first game of the MLS calendar at, at 1 PM on Saturday here, um, you can't help but get excited. I, I wish I could, I wish I could bottle up the feeling of coming out of that tunnel uh, to our fans. Uh, you know, the different things, the noises you hear of the, the metal studs hitting the concrete and then the, the crowd getting a little bit louder. I hate to liken it to gladiators, but <laughs> when they came out of it back in the day, uh, but that it's gotta be as close as it gets to that because it's a real, uh, real rush and a real feeling of excitement that you get. So looking forward to that Saturday and can't wait to spend the, Uh, the day
0: with our fans we can't wait to see you guys coming out last question before we let you go uh the fashion corner segment of the show as you know last year Uh some of your gear uh i bought immediately still have the sweatshirt (laughs) jeff reminded me i don't look as good in it as you do i appreciated that support from him any sweatshirts (laughs) or sneakers that we should know about any gear coming out you're going to break out this season I'm
2: going, I will have a new pair of sneakers and I've gotten ahead of the game. So Nike is a great sponsor of mine and uh, they do an amazing job, but I got backed up uh, last year a little bit. Sometimes with the deliveries during COVID, it took some time. Um, But this year I should have, I was close to having a a new pair for every game this year. I'll definitely have a 34 for the uh, regular season, 34 different pairs of Nike. So I guess you could keep an eye out for that, <laughs> um but yeah, there's certainly there's some cool stuff that the union store will have in shop uh, for me. Um, I usually get my get the first crack at the stuff before it comes out and and I get to wear it first, which is always a a nice benefit that I get and uh hopefully, yeah, people get out and uh, continue to wear the the cool union gear that they're coming up with um, but yeah, keeping it casual on the sidelines nice sneakers and uh a, a pair of. Usually Lululemon pants and then uh, whatever uh, is the the nice, new, cool uh, union gear that I get from the store. Um, uh, yeah, I'm excited for, for the new year for that, too. <laughs>
0: Jeff, I think we're going to have to incur- incorporate the Jim Curtin fashion segment into every interview we do with him now.
2: <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs>
1: I just wanted to know if Jason was wearing Lululemon pants. (laughs) Yeah,
0: you're you're lucky that I bought the sweatshirt, Jeff. Coach, uh, we look forward to seeing what you're going to get me wearing. Uh, Look forward to seeing how the team plays out on the field. And just excited to get a few minutes with you. And uh, hope you have a great season. And I look forward to seeing what you do out there. Thanks so much for the time, as always.
2: Thanks so much for having me, guys. It's always fun uh, being on with you and, and looking forward to new, uh, 2020 and making some new memories. We had the Glesnitz, uh goal last year. We had the Andre Blake penalty kick game. And, uh, yeah, now it's time to create some more memories for the fans. Well, we look forward, looking to, forward it. to it. Thanks, Coach.
0: Jeff, you missed the most important question in that interview. The fashion one? Yeah, what size shoe are you so you can get some of those pairs after he's done with it? How great is that? He's now gotten to the
1: point that – do any of the other coaches in Philadelphia sports have, have a shoe contract where they get a different shoe every week? That's a there good question, again? actually.
0: That is pretty good, huh? See, and you thought that when I told you I wanted to ask about that, you were like, why? <laughs> I really could have used fashion advice. For, well, I mean, look, we both could use fashion advice from him. Yeah, right. I, I don't know if I'll get those Lululemon pants, but you know I'm looking well, out what for if sweatshirts. They en- what
1: if they endorse us now?
0: Well, that would be a different story, yeah. of course. You know, the things you do for well, money, I, I'll, right?
1: I'll seek advice from you
0: since you're the fashion one in this.
1: Like, what's club casual? Yeah, okay,
0: here's the thing. If yeah. I'm the fashion one in this, we are both screwed. <laughs> and my wife will laugh at the fact that you even took the time out on this radio show to say that I could have anything involved with fashion as you wear your plaid Michigan shirt to celebrate their win over Rutgers this week well, to be with fair, a partial team and no head coach because of whatever happened. I, I <laughs>
1: braced this week for the Rutgers fight song to finally be played on the show.
0: I don't think it's ever going to happen.
1: I thought for certain that it was going to happen, and somehow, without their second-best player, they didn't win.
0: No, uh, Rutgers did not win. If you remember, Rutgers was about to make the NCAA tourney when everything shut down for COVID. I was very excited at that time about it. This is where it circles back to you. This is where it starts from. And so now... We are back again with Rutgers having a chance mm-hmm. to finally have me get to play the fight song on the show. But no, let's drop it to Michigan with half a team. I do want to ask your— and, op-
1: and not the regular head coach. I
0: do want to ask your opinion about that. They had Phil Martelli on the bench because uh, Jawan Howard decided to take a little swing at the Wisconsin head coach. Um, Michigan man, I I know you have some opinions on what went on this week and had got lots of text messages from people about it. (laughs)
1: Yeah, look, I'm disappointed. I I really like Jawan Howard, not just as as a coach of this team, but as a person. I mean, everybody we've ever talked to about Jawan Howard says the same thing about him, that he was a leader. And I know how important it it was for him to lead. I mean, look, we've had Gary Waters on talking about the, the dearth of coaches uh, you know, of color, and and Jawan Howard is an example. Uh, I still think he can. You know, if you listen to what Jalen Rose was saying a- afterwards, you know, he's going to use this as a learning lesson. He's not going away. For people that say he should be fired, he's not going away, and he shouldn't go away for this. But he should. He shouldn't make sure
0: that this didn't happen again. This isn't the first incident with him. So now, and they're lucky that. More players didn't start swinging because that could have turned into something much worse.
1: Well, yeah, but that's part of leading. Yeah. You know, and that's why you have to have a a higher standard for coaches than you do for players. But but I will tell you that Wisconsin's coaches or coach is not with lack of fault from this. You don't touch another
0: person. And that's not being talked about, that he did. Touch Jawan mm-hmm. Howard you know I, and that's what set him off. I don't that, well, well it's I think what set, I think what, I think he him. was already angry about the timeouts being called at the end of the game which, well that was but, just a lack of class but, you don't call okay, a timeout with 15 seconds so, left and you're up by 15. you do if they've got your Michigan guys pressing and you want to reset now I why don't do think you, they why should why do you
1: need to reset you're up by 15 with 15 seconds I left underst- nobody in the history of you, college you basketball can run has out ever the clock but I
0: thought that was overdone I thought the bigger problem was that he put his harm on him that was what I thought was the bigger issue there. And I wasn't surprised by the suspensions for Michigan. I was surprised that it was only a fine for Wisconsin. I thought that at least for touching him, he would have gotten the Well, the, the game.
1: suspension came from Michigan itself, right? So it didn't come from the Big Ten. The Big Ten, I guess, could still react, right? And they, they haven't done
0: so. No, there hasn't they been a They should. Um, Rutgers does have a chance again against Wisconsin tomorrow to not blow it. We'll see what happens with that. <laughs> I'm trying to be like excited about Rutgers and, and you can be, they, I mean, look, they won how many, four or five four games in a row and... over ranked teams yeah. they are a fun team to watch. They're just inconsistent at times. it, it puzzles me. They're consistently inconsistent. Jeff, why don't we head to break when we come back. We will talk about the equal pay victory for the U.S. Women's National Team this week. Why don't you stick with us? I'll stick with you.
1: Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEC, puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825 repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm, and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why
0: ELAC and Local 825 are ready to get to work. All right, Jeff, let's talk some women's soccer, some equal rights, equal pay. Susie Petricelli, author of Raised a Warrior, former captain of the Harvard women's soccer team. Uh, I believe it says producer now. Don't worry, we'll ask you about the film later. It is so good to get you back on the show for a few minutes. How are you today?
3: I'm good. Thanks, guys, for having me back.
1: So, Susie, before we get to, to the important issues, I got a question for you. Michaela Moore, did you watch the U.S. The women's team national, team national Game last last week? Last week. I didn't. Okay, so Michaela Moore, a player for New Zealand, scored three goals. Oh, the goals. New Zealand game. Yes. Yeah,
3: yeah. Right. Yeah, I saw she had an own goal.
1: Three of them. How does that happen?
3: <sighs> yeah, nerves. Nerves. Uh,
0: have you ever yeah. had that happen before where you've been in a game where somebody has scored an own goal and or you yourself have done it where you have to be there to comfort somebody when it happens?
3: I mean, you know, it's sports, right? Like we've all been there. I mean, I, 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 have. I remember my sister at Harvard on a breakaway, and my sister played with me, right? She was a striker, and you know, I remember watching her go downfield on a breakaway and totally missing and choking. Like we've all, you know, we've all been there. I've had, I've had own goals. If any, I think if anybody says they haven't had an own goal, they're, they're, uh, they're fibbing. You know, I mean, you know, it's sports, right? We choke once in a while.
1: Right, but in your case, you could actually blame your sister. <laughs> or she
3: could blame Nick.
0: Yeah. this is true you you could all blame each other all right so we'll get to the more important stuff there was what seems like a big victory for uh women in their fight for equal pay the u.s women's national team uh can you bring our listeners up to speed on a little bit of the background of where we were and what happened this week and then we'll talk about what the impact of what it means
3: Yeah. So, you know, this has been this has been something that the U.S. Women's National Team has been working on for 40 years, you know? I mean, it goes back all the way to, like, the early 80s when the team was just getting started. And, you know, at that point, it was, you know, Mia Hamm, Julie Foudy, Michelle Akers, and they were thinking about it more in terms of equity. Like, they were just trying to get U.S. soccer to, to give them a per diem, you know? They were just trying to get U.S. soccer to, um, you know, basically provide equity, like provide them what they needed to play and provided what they needed to be year round uh, professional athletes. Um, and obviously now in the last like 10 years or so, the team, you know, it's, it's they've, they've the team progressively with all these, you know, CBAs and negotiations has worked their way up to the point where they were actually fighting for equal pay, um, which is great. I mean, it's, it's amazing. The, the progress it's been slow and I'm, I'm, you know, the team and everyone involved will say that the progress has been slow. But, um, but you know, we, I mean, we're there now, right? They, they, they settled and they're going to get equal pay going forward. And the men's team has been um, an amazing uh, ally for them now. And I think the men's team also, you know, has realized that it's a win-win for them, right? I mean, if the women's team um, starts making more money, for instance, and, and let's say FIFA starts equalizing pay money, and our women's team is the best in the world. Is you know continuing going to continue to win and bring in more money. The, those bonuses go to the men's team as well. So um, I think everyone's realizing that um, we're all on the same team, and it's you know more money, more money for either the men's or the women's team is more money for everyone.
1: Yeah, this is progress. This is this is big progress. But we we can't lose sight of the fact that the progress came with a fight. Uh, what what uh, it, why did the US Soccer Federation fight this so hard
3: you know i they spent 9 million dollars right that they just could have the way, paid the
0: women's athletes that they could frankly. have paid
3: the women yeah 9 million dollars you know they were lobbying in, in DC they were paying money for Washington DC lobbyists to lobby against the women i mean it, the whole thing is just really crazy i mean the you know the the reason why carlos cordero right the the past president finally got removed was because he, you know, he they were putting out statements and part of the lawsuit was that they were saying that the female athletes were like literally inferior to the male athletes. I mean, you know, like uh, he put himself in a terrible position. Then, uh, you know, Nike, Volkswagen, like Budweiser, all their major sponsors are like, we just, you know, we, you, you, we don't agree. You got to go. So, you know, he put himself in that position. And, um, I, you know, I, I think it's just still this very old school way of thinking and the, and the soccer world is, is still very old school in that way, unfortunately, you know? I mean, you gotta remember, right? Women's soccer was banned, either banned or illegal in a, a lot of places in South America and Europe for, for half of the 20th century, right? So, I mean, we're, we're playing catch-up. It's that old school mentality. There's still places in the world where they, they still frown on women playing football. I mean, in a way, we're, we're lucky in the United States because um, soccer here is not sort of a territorial men's sport, right? But look, we, we're still struggling to get into American football. We're still struggling to get into baseball. Those are So in, in Europe, those sports are seen as more sort of, you know, uh, like soccer is still that masculine sport. So they're still very protective of it. We're lucky here in the United States because, um, you know, in the 1970s and 80s, it was a little easier for us to get into soccer.
0: You know, I, I wanted to ask because, you know, you have the Megan Rapinos and Alex Morgans who, who celebrated the victory at the same time recognizing that, can't go back and change the past. This is about kind of moving forward and making sure this doesn't happen again for women and they're treated fairly. The support wasn't unanimous. Hope Solo obviously is out there publicly, has been rather critical of the decision, saying it was heartbreaking and infuriating. I did want to ask the one point that she makes, that she points out that this settlement is contingent on the women's national team reaching a collective bargaining agreement. CBA, right? and And yeah. her quote was, if the players had ever been successful in negotiating an equal CBA, there never would have been a reason to sue the federation in the first place. So she added the agreement, guarantees nothing to the next generation of players. Is that an unfair expectation that you not only have to make progress from where it was in the past, but guarantee that future? Or is it enough to say... We've taken the step here now. We have to keep watching to take those steps in the future. I'm just wondering where you come down on that
2: one.
3: You know, I mean, I think I think the decision that the settlement that was reached this week um, is monumental in a way. It is monumental in the way that it will change things for the future for girls. There's no, that, that is done. That's not going back. It does rest on the CBA that, um, but they wouldn't have made that announcement. They would have announced, wouldn't have announced a settlement if they weren't um, if they weren't certain that the CBA was going to get passed, they have, you know, they have a few weeks to do it. And you got to remember, we have Cindy Parlow Cone now as president of US Soccer, who's really made this whole thing happen. I mean, she, in my opinion, obviously the players have been pushing all these years to make it happen and to be ready to have, you know, somebody work with them on the on the right side of history. But um, if we didn't have Cindy Parlow Cone in that position right now, because Carlo was forced to step down, this probably wouldn't have happened. So.
0: She seems like she's been acknowledging some of the things that that were done under that administration. Have you been surprised by that? Or is it what you expected when they made that change?
3: You know, I actually thought she was a little reticent when she first started. Um, You know, she got the job out of the blue, right? They Carlos was um, had to sit down and she was all of a sudden promoted to president. And um, so I think she was a little shell shocked at the beginning. Um, I personally thought I sort of expected her to be like, all right, guys, now it's our turn. Let's get to work. And she was, she, she was a little slower than that. um, Which is probably, uh, it's probably the right thing for her to do. It's probably the right thing to step into it slowly and observe and make sure she's putting, you know, every, all the ducks in a row in order to make the things happen. Um, And, but you know, you gotta remember she was on the team in 99. Like she's been there. Like she knows what they went through and she's been part of all these negotiations going back to the nineties. So, you, you know, I'm, I'm, proud of her. I'm really proud of her. I'm happy that she's stepping up. I think it's really lucky that she was in that position. Um and um you know luck and you know l- l- you know what's, what the saying is luck is opportunity meets um preparation. Right, yeah. yeah, opportunity meets preparation, which is which is exactly what happened here. Um, so you know I'm I'm proud of her. I think everyone's excited that uh and now you know she needs to get reelected. If you can believe it Carlos Cordero is running against her um, which I, it just blows my mind to be honest with you. And so, you know, we need Cindy to get reelected and, um, so we can keep moving forward in the right direction.
1: Well, how, how important we talked to coaches, we've talked to a lot of coaches about minority hiring in football and and different sports, the same thing in soccer. How important is it to see people like you in positions of leadership and how does that change the whole dynamic of progress?
3: You know, I think it's really important for little girls, especially to see people like them in those positions, because until you see it, it's really, really hard to be. It's really hard to imagine yourself there. Um, And it's really hard. it's very, very it's much it's much easier to follow somebody who's who's leading, who's setting the path than to be that person at the front, like being the trailblazer. Right. Um, But, you know, we were lucky we had those trailblazers. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just gonna be, it's gonna be easier going forward. But yeah, I mean, seeing those people, I think it's important for the representation. Um, but it's also important to have those opinions that it's, it's important to have those people's opinions, right? Because the diversity of opinions is what really makes things stronger.
0: So there's progress in who is leading. There's progress in the end result of what's being bargained. What needs to come next and how do we get there?
3: they need to pass the CBA, right? They need to come to an agreement with the men's team. Um, and they need to, they need to start pressing FIFA to equalize pay money uh, between the men's and the women's world cup. That's really, that's really, um, that's really one of the, the most important next steps for us.
1: And how do you get there?
3: I mean, you know, we're just going to start putting pressure on them. I, it's funny. I just had a conversation with one of the players on the team a couple of days ago. And my idea was to, to have, You know, I'm trying to go easy on FIFA, to be honest with you. I'm trying to get them instead of having, because the the gender pay gap, right, the prize money gap is still growing, right? In the last World Cup, it grew again. So it's not even shrinking. And they haven't even halted the growth of the gap between the two prize money persons. So, you know, we were talking about having FIFA commit to a certain percentage per year of closing the gap, Right. Even if, and I was saying, let's let's make it a huge horizon. Let's make it like a fit. Like let's make it two percent a year for the next fifty years. It may not happen in our lifetime, but I think that's something that they can commit to. It's, it, you know, it, it's 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 not exactly what we want, but let's give them something that they can commit to, something palatable that won't you know shake shake them completely to the core. And the person that I was talking to, I won't say who it was, but she was saying saying no, it has to be twenty percent in five years. <laughs> <laughs> 20% of the, you know, uh, per year in the next five years. So, you know, I mean, I think we just need that to get them to commit to stop growing the gap and start shrinking, you know, start decreasing the prize money gap.
0: And while you move the money in that direction, I believe the last time we had you on was after everything happened with the NWSL and the working conditions and what the women had been facing mentally and physically. How is that part of the game going? Are we making the sports safer for women to participate in?
3: You know, I mean, that's the goal, right? I mean, this was a huge year for the NWSL, obviously, and for women's sports in general. I mean, I think it, this is, this is a, you know, people keep saying this over and over, but it's a reckoning that's that's long overdue, not just in sport, not just in women's sports, but for women around the world, right? Um, and so, you know, I think part of the CBA, hopefully, I mean, I, I haven't heard this officially, but I'm assuming part of the CBA will, will pay, they'll, they'll be paying very close attention to safety um, and respect for players. It, they have to. Um, so I'm assuming that will be built into the next CBA. There will be, you know, um, reporting uh, systems. There will be consequences. There will be, um, there will be things like that that the NWSL Players Association is also working on. They'll be working really closely together.
1: And, and it appears that there's there's more women that are getting into the front offices and ownership with regard to the NWSL. How important is that?
3: I mean, that is also huge, you know. I mean, it's, you know, especially people like who from outside the sports world um, that carry their own weight and their own sphere, like people like Natalie Portman. And, um, you know, like we ha- now we have uh, Serena Williams and Alexis Ohanian, part of the, you know, um, Angel City crew. Um, and there's a great ownership gr- group now growing in Chicago. Um, so, you know, I think those are all just huge positive signs for the growth in the game and the, and the belief um, that women's sports is just going to, you know, keep getting greater and greater and growing and growing.
0: Well, let's talk about your own growth. When we first had you on, it was to talk about your book, Raised a Warrior. Uh, Since then, you've continued your journey. Tell us about being a producer and how your film career is coming.
3: You know, it's great. It's been really fun. I I figured out that I really love uh, just telling stories, telling stories that, you know, are about peace and understanding between people, whether it's on or off the soccer field um, or in sports. Um, it's been really, it's been really, really fun. I really enjoy it. I, I, um, I'm now working on a, a TV series, um, that's a, it's a, as a feminist, um, it's a feminist topic. I uh, can't say who it is about yet, but, um, and you know, it's not about sports, it's a, it's a, but it is about feminism. It's about, you know, a female, an important female leader in the past. So, um, so it's been great. I've just been, um, you know, sort of following my instincts and following my gut and, and trying to tell these stories that. Um, are so are so important, and at the same time, you know, supporting, you know, the WNBA, the you know, the women's hockey players, like all these organizations that are that are you know also fighting so hard for equality for women on and off the field.
0: You know, you mentioned the women's hockey players. I haven't gotten to the Olympics with Jeff yet, but um, I'm a ratings person, and while the <laughs> ratings were not what they were hoping for, the bright spot was the women's gold medal women's game hockey. against yeah. Canada. Had three point five four million viewers. That's more than any NHL game televised in the United States this season. Wow! So yeah. it clearly, it's great entertainment. it is. It is. The women's hockey game is fast and it's fun, and they are very skilled. For people who haven't watched it, you're missing out. Uh, that's.
3: It's amazing. That's, it is. It's one of the. I mean, I love. I love watching watching any hockey. I think it's one of the most fun sports to watch. Uh, well, and don't I watch
0: like, the Flyers here. You might not like that, it as much. But uh, you know, just saying. Uh,
1: you know. uh, that's funny. But, but the, pro- um, but the yeah. problem with women's with women's hockey right now is 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 growing the game globally. Right. I mean, Canada and the United States have so dominated. How do you build from there to make sure that it grows throughout the world the way that women's soccer has?
3: You know, I mean, women's soccer was sort of poised uh, for a boom, right? Um, In the 70s and 80s, it was inexpensive. It was, it wasn't, it didn't, at least in the United States, it didn't interfere, like I was saying, with sort of these male-dominated sports. Um, So it was poised, but it's not growing that quickly yet. Um, I mean, more recently it is, but it took a very long time for soccer to start growing in Europe and South America. You know, they were... The, the the attitudes took a lot longer to change um in other parts of the world and i think you know hockey hockey's is getting there i think obviously hockey has some barriers because it's expensive it's hard to find ice time um you know all the equipment is expensive so i think hockey will be a little uh, slower to grow but i also think you know that like right now especially with social media and you have these really exciting players like the you know kindle coin and you, know, you have these amazing players who are who are proving that, you know, like anytime they're talking, anytime they're on the ice, it's exciting to watch. Um, So I think little girls out there now, it's it's, it's just one of those things. Little girls are going to see them and they're going to want to be them. Um, And they're going to realize that they, you know, that it, like once they get a chance to get out there on the ice, like there's, there's no better feeling, right? There's nothing like it.
0: I enjoy when they have them in the men's all-star competition and they win. Yes. That's, a, that's always rather entertaining yes. for me.
3: That's
0: Su- exactly that's what I was thinking of. Susie um uh, we always enjoy getting a few minutes with you. Thank you for what you're doing out there leading the way with other people to make sure that the playing field gets leveled for women and also for giving us a little bit of time each time to explain it all and make sure we're doing our part. So uh, thanks you for the time.
3: No, thank you guys. It really means a lot. It always does. Thank
0: you. Uh, you have a great day. We'll talk to you soon.
3: Okay. Bye guys.
0: Jeff, you know, we couldn't get a better perspective of, of what's going on there. And I like that we broadened it from soccer to the larger issue of women's sports. And, and we broadened it from pay because it's not just about the pay. It's about the conditions. She talks about um, hockey. I, I have a friend who has a daughter who wrestles. And so I watch the growth in his wrestling club of the girls wrestling. right? And they're not just wrestling each other anymore, they're kicking the butts of the boys. Mm-hmm. And then they're wrestling against each other. And so you're seeing this growth in all different sports out there. And I'm glad to hear that, that it's not just the equal pay part that continues to be worked on. I think the point that you made to her though about the women in leadership and the women in ownership is important. The idea that somebody who argued in a lawsuit that women are less competent than men is going to try to run the women again well, is spe- mind boggling. Especially
1: to me. in this sport. Yes. Like like US women's we have been to Friendlies after they won the World Cup in Philadelphia and saw what, fifty thousand people show up for a game. And women's soccer and though the women that are in women's soccer are stars. Are, there are international stars, and they have led. It's not even like you're talking equal. They have led for generations.
0: That's the thing. They've used their platform at every mm-hmm. turn to advance their causes. The other night, they had armbands that said support trans athletes mm-hmm. against the law in Texas. They are not quiet about using the platform that they have representing this country in a positive way to it's say for what for they believe the country should represent. Mm-hmm. And I just, I always enjoy when Susie comes on to help break it down with but
1: us. The, but they've also led as far as skill. I mean, it, it's not just that they're leading platform wise. They've also led skill. They, you can't compare the men's national team to the women's national team over the last 30 years.
0: Well, you can, but and it won't end so well. It's, but but the progress... When you don't participate in the World Cup many years, you're not in the conversation of that comparison. I mean, they've,
1: they've literally carried men's soccer. I mean...
0: They've carried soccer. Right. In it's, general. Women and men. They
1: win the World Cup. The, the, the men don't even qualify for the World Cup. It puzzles so, me. So how can somebody who leads soccer in this country sit there and say that they should be paid less?
0: I guess we'll have to see whether he gets his re-election. It seems like... A-
1: how is that possible? <laughs> how well, like
0: how, I love that neither of us knew that before the interview how, that he was well, trying well, to get it, it back. Just,
1: it doesn't seem possible. Like, don't, is he not self-aware at all?
0: Is that a, an honest question? <laughs> like, if no, he's running again, doesn't yeah. that mean he's not self-aware? Yeah. He worked around politicians before who... Haven't been aware of the things that were obvious to everybody but doesn't else.
1: Doesn't he have something else he can do? Because this, this is not his thing. No, there's
0: plenty of people with nothing better to do that just keep going after the same thing.
1: Like I, I just want to walk up to him now and now say, "Hey." This isn't. This is not your right move.
0: You might want to quit your day job. Right. <laughs> well, he doesn't have that day job anymore. You might not want to see yeah, it back. Yeah, he's
1: li- he's literally trying for the day job that he wasn't qualified to do beforehand.
0: I know you. Uh, I want to move off to some other sports. And
1: I apologize for the echo. I hit the wrong button. So Did that you? That one was on me. I, I all yeah.
0: of a sudden there's like sound coming out of your computer. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'll like, what the hell you. are you doing over mm-hmm. there? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, I want to ask a few questions real fast. About are we going to have baseball this? Season,
1: I don't know. All I know is, is are well, you no. gonna
0: renew your tickets this season? I already did. But are you gonna have... ask for your money back?
1: I'm considering it. Uh, you know, I, well, well, you're asking the question. You already know the answer to. Yeah, look, you know how much I love baseball. I do. You, you know how excited. Which I get is for the February. problem
0: for baseball? You are the hardcore fan. An old you, guy. You <laughs> are the fan that they cannot alienate who has lived his life with his son Mm -hmm. around baseball, who has traveled to almost every major league stadium, who has gone to more minor league games than me going to all sporting events in my whole, as I turn 43 tomorrow, life. Yeah. And yet you're thinking of asking your money back from baseball because of how they're handling this. I I can't do this That's a problem. I know.
1: And, and, and the thing is, there's there's really no defined issue here.
0: No, like, they, no they can't even agree what they're arguing over.
1: N- that's it. No, nobody knows what the fight is at this point. It's just like, okay, we're going to keep meeting and saying we're not any closer. Like, this is not that hard. They know the numbers.
0: It shouldn't be that hard. It, it just, it's a bunch of people with money. They can't figure out how to divvy up the money. Yeah,
1: but that see that oversimplifies. When when the, when people say it's billionaires fighting with millionaires, that's no. No, that's
0: not what it is. It's billionaires fighting with it's billionaires egos. who can't agree. But this this look, it's this, the owners who can't agree with the owners. The
1: owners can't agree with the owners. The players can't agree with the players. They can't agree with each other. Yeah. What it all comes down to is ego. Yeah. That's what that's what happens in these things. This is this is you don't you don't have by the way just so people know. When you're negotiating, you don't have to wait till the last day or beyond that before you actually make progress.
0: No, of course you, not. You can resolve. Good negotiations beforehand. get resolved before the deadline ever occurs, yeah, before they, the threats happen.
1: But, but they don't ever start until, uh, until they get to the deadline.
0: Until you can see the train coming right at you, they right. do not so start. So
1: now, now we'll sit there and play chicken over all sorts of things that if you ask them to get in a room, they probably can't tell you. I don't know why we're still fighting. Well, they've over been this. in a
0: room together and they can't figure out what to agree. On.
1: Well, the thing that the most of us who are gu- want to go to the games are going to agree on is, you know, what I can find other things to do.
0: Look, this is the time that there should be baseball to watch. I,
1: I don't, I don't want, I don't want to sit there and look at in my, you know, Apple Wallet to see my tickets or whatever, and then know I may not be going. I just at, at this point, there's this is the problem. It's like these groups don't understand; they're not operating under 1960 and 70 rules. There's so many other things to do, and we've all just lived through a crazy time where we had a lot more concerns than this. This sports is supposed to be to get away from this stuff, not to sit there and worry about whether or not it's going to exist and who's going to fight over which nickel they're going to fight over. Well, and, and and who gets? And I'm not saying these are trivial issues. I'm saying that they should be able to. They resolve should be able to
0: them. resolve them. Yes. and that's not as somebody who's just resolve negotiations before. That's somebody who has common sense.
1: Well, yeah, and and you and I have- You can't kill the
0: golden goose.
1: Yes, and, and for, pe- for people that sit there and, well, what about the minor leaguers and stuff? They don't, they don't even get affected by a lot of this stuff because they're not covered on – Well, this. they
0: will if baseball tries to cut the number well, of well, spots. Well, yes,
1: if they cut careers, that's, that's the problem. Like that's
0: the problem is that they're using the minor leaguers as a bargaining chip to try and save a couple bucks on the major leaguers, which is ridiculous. The minor leaguers barely get paid as it is and slept on inflatable mattresses up until a year ago. Yeah. So to act like they're the problem in baseball is beyond ridiculous. The problem is that they all can't agree how to maintain and keep and make the game that they love advance. When I sat down with Bud Selig, I asked about Rob Manford. I'm still not sold on Rob Manford. Bud Selig can say whatever he wants about him. If you're the commissioner, you need to get them in a room before this and get it resolved. The fact that we're at the Friday before Monday, they said they're going to start canceling regular season games is a complete failure on all of their parts.
1: Look, we. I guess there's only one Adam Silver because you compare him to Rob Manfred and it's, I mean, they're not even close.
0: I, we have a minute and a half left and I need to ask you. A flyer's question? No. Oh, thank you. Phil Mickelson.
1: Stupid. He's deeply, like, he's <laughs> deeply is...
0: sorry. Could you have had a more disingenuous apology? I'm deeply sorry, but it never should have been made public. And oh, by the way, I'll step back if my sponsors don't want to keep me as my sponsors drop me. Look, I've written those statements before. That was a piss poor attempt at what he did.
1: Everything he said was wrong. But it seems like he
0: and this hurts you because he was a guy
1: you love. He's one of the most charismatic people in the sport and and likable. And it turns out he's just stupid. Like like the things that he said, there's no other word for them than dumb and naive and, and 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 uneducated. Like for him to sit there and say, oh, well, we should do this so we can put leverage on them, even though we know what I'm acknowledging they kill people. But I need leverage against the PGA. And by the way, Phil, why do you need leverage? You're a senior at this point in golf. You've made millions and millions of dollars. What leverage do you need? Meanwhile, nobody's following him. Do you think Phil Mickelson is doing anything for the benefit of the 20-year-old up-and-comers? Doesn't
0: appear that way. That's going to be the last word this week. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one and we'll talk to you next week.
3: Bye-bye.